Hi, and welcome back to Game Time Podcast. With your hosts, I'm Alex Rubinson. And I'm Shai Dweck. We finally made it to Super Bowl week. We're going to break down the entire epic matchup between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We're also going to talk about some you know, possible trade rumors as we are nearing the start of the offseason, especially regarding the quarterback carousel that looks to be in full force this offseason. So, Shai, let's get right into it because it's game, game time. time. So, Shai, before we do get into the Super Bowl, and obviously that's what everyone's going to want to listen to, let's just start, you know, quickly about some of the trade rumors regarding the quarterbacks. Let's start with Matthew Stafford, who looks like it's a, it's a matter of days and, you know, weeks might be stretching as, a, as it's being widely reported that he could be traded as early as this week before the Super Bowl. You know, you know how what my thoughts are on Stafford. I've always thought he was a very underrated quarterback, a quarterback that could have succeeded, could have won more if he were in numerous of other places than Detroit. Detroit, yeah, they you know built a pretty good offense around Stafford, but that defense was atrocious. You know, I feel like for his entire career, and you know, ever since really over this last decade, I really feel like Stafford has been one of, if not the most underrated quarterbacks in the NFL. And I just think you know, going to the Lions side, they're rebuilding. This team is not close to winning. They're in a in they're in a division with the you know a Packers team that was in the NFC Championship game. You know the Vikings had you know a down year, but I, I think they're still you know going to be a pretty competitive team. And the Bears, you know they have to they have to get the quarterback position figured out. But if they ever do, that team can also be dangerous too. So the Lions just have a long ways to go before they are a, a competitive team in their own division. So they're going to go through a probably bit of a long and obviously grueling rebuild for their fan base. So I just think a change of scenery for Stafford and kind of a parting of the ways is probably best for both sides. And so what are your thoughts on Stafford and possibly a, a new city and a new uniform for him? Yeah. And this is, I don't know if you remember, uh, I think we may have had this discussion either. Uh, I think it may have been last off season. Actually, I was like, you know, maybe the lions, should look to to move on from staff or maybe be best for both sides. And I think, you know, I was right then, and I think it's right now. I think it's time uh, for them to part ways. Stafford, you kind of have to feel for him a little bit, Alex, because of, you know, what he's had to go through in Detroit. And I don't want to say wasting away his career, because I know how much he means to that city, but a little bit. It's It's got to feel that way, given their lack of success and lack of winning. Um, but then you look at the other side of it for the NFL, and you look at all like a numerous teams, teams in contention, teams who were in the playoffs this year that just that quarterback away that would bring them to the next level. So I think it's going to be a real kind of balance of power thing um, with Stafford, and I, I think that he's unlike a guy we're going to talk about, Deshaun Watson, he's a little older, he's more experienced, probably not as good, doesn't have the same mobility, but he's also going to command a lesser price, right? So I think to be able to to get that leg up but not have to, you know, give away your future potentially in in draft capital, I think, and a guy who's been around this league is going to be very valuable for numerous uh, teams 
So I'm really excited to see where he goes. I'm excited, I think, definitely for Matthew Stafford. And also, I think the Detroit Lions, you know, now they can build up a fresh start and they can, uh, I guess, undergo, undergo this kind of uh, grueling rebuild, which I think it needed to happen. But if not today, when, Alex? Ian, I, I don't know if you remember, but on our preseason podcast for the entire season, we made our picks for awards. And I pegged Matthew Stafford as my dark horse MVP. And a big reason why he was only my dark horse was because I thought, I don't think this Lions team is good enough to win anything of significance. You know, I thought they had a ceiling of 9-7, and 8-8, and eight, and that's again with them pulling off a couple of upsets. But I think you, you know, we always rave about the arm talent, the strict raw arm talent of guys like... Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. But there are plays, you know, there's a tight, you know, what look well kind of like a no look pass for a touchdown in a tight window by Stafford. And I remember I think there was there was a tweet and it had Stafford with like an incredible like arm angle throw that you just don't see around a defender. And the tweet basically said, like, if this were Patrick Mahomes, we'd be going crazy. And that's, I feel like, kind of been a lot of Stafford's career. He doesn't get the recognition as these star quarterbacks, despite having maybe not the exact same amount of talent, but very good and just underrated arm talent, talent that we just don't talk about. So I don't know. I'm going to throw out two teams, the Indianapolis Colts, where, look, the Titans are a very good team. I think they're going to be a pretty good, consistent playoff team for the next few years. But I believe that if the Colts were to pull off a trade for Stafford, I think they're better than the Titans. The Texans are a mess. And I think the Jaguars, although they will improve, I think they're probably a year or two away from competing for the division. So in my mind, the Colts, if they were to pull off a Stafford trade, I think they're the front runners in their division. I would pick them to win their division. And I think they're probably, you know, in the conversation with like the Bills. I think they're probably at the Bills level in terms of you know, competing in the AFC. The other team, I think, is the Washington football team. I mean, how long has that quarterback carousel gone on and on? <laughs> yeah, they thought they had their guy in RG3. They made it a very similar pre-Super Bowl trade for Alex Smith that panned out for eight games, and Smith had the catastrophic leg injury. And Smith is just not the same guy, so he's not their you know, I don't think he's their guy next year, let alone long-term plan at the position. And look, yes, they won their division, but they were 7-9. and nine. And I, with Dak coming back, and I expect him to return to Dallas, Dallas, I think, will be, you know, a good team. You know, they won't be a great team, but I think that, you know, they should be, in my mind, the favorites coming in for the NFC East. And obviously, so I think if you get that guy at quarterback where you don't have to worry about it, uh, if you're Washington, okay, now you have you have threats. You have McLaurin, you have Gibson, and then obviously you have a very good defense that can go with the quarterback. But Washington and the Colts, I think, are the two teams that should be heavily interested in Stafford. It's looking like it might take a first-round pick and then some. But as you were alluding to, Watson probably takes three first-round picks and then some. So you're not... You're mortgaging some of your short-term future if you were to give up your first-round pick for Stafford, but you're not mortgaging 
your entire future like you possibly would be for Watson, which would prevent you to build around that quarterback. So, Shai, what are a couple teams that you had in mind for Stafford? Yeah, and I thought we were going to have similar teams, and I didn't think those are good destinations, but my teams are the San Francisco 49ers, who have apparently engaged in some uh, trade talks, and the New England Patriots, Alex. So I'll start with the 49ers. I think it's pretty clear, at least to me, that Jimmy G is not their guy. Hampered by injuries, and... Well, I just want to tell you for... Um, I think if there's an upgrade, they'll take the upgrade. But I don't think they're going to be actively looking for a replacement, if that makes sense. I understand what you're saying, but when I look at... Uh, Competitive teams, teams that went healthy like the 49ers, can genuinely, in my opinion, make a Super Bowl run. Because they've shown the ability to do that. But when, you know, Jimmy G couldn't, they should have had a, a Super Bowl. They should have been Super Bowl champions. And Jimmy G blew it for them. You know, that's that's the reality of it. And I, I don't th- think you could just say Jimmy G blew it for them and left that fact. They had a 10-point lead. Could Jimmy G have done more? Could he have done a better job protecting that lead or possibly coming back when they were trailing? Of course, I mean, he missed yes. the wide-open Emmanuel Sanders down the field. I mean, that, that, that well, game that, that was on him, but I think blowing a 10-point lead, I know it was to Patrick Mahomes, but you you can't put 100% of the blame on Jimmy Garoppolo and just say— put 100%. I just think he's he the big reason. Him a ring. I, I think that's a ring. I think he's a big—certainly a big enough reason, and I think, you know— I think he's the main reason. I think there are other reasons the defense should have played better. I don't want to get into that too much, but I think we can both agree that there's a speculation whether Jimmy G is that guy. In my opinion, I don't know how the Niners feel. I don't know if you can win a Super Bowl with him. Matthew Stafford, I think you can. I think this team goes to Super Bowl contention immediately. And I think, look at the weapon, the good offensive line, the, one of the best run schemes. In the NFL. Well, they're going to have to pay Trent Williams. They will have to pay, pay Trent, Trent Williams. Williams. And, and think about it this way, Alex. By cutting Jimmy G this offseason, it's only only have to eat three, about $3 million. It, it, they really have an escape plan. That defense, they're going to get guys back. It's going to be healthy. I think this team can come out of the NFC if Matt Stafford is the quarterback. Then quickly to the, to the Patriots, Alex. I think they're going to get a lot of opt-outs back. They had $50 million, I believe, in cap space. Um, and a higher and draft. without any cuts. They're going to, they're going to make cuts. Of they're course. going to be able to clear some cap space, just like any other team. Right. And then they also have the highest draft pick they've had in a while, even at just 15. So I think they will they're have... Not, they might have to send that pick to Detroit if they, if they really want Stafford. Right, right. I, but I think that would be worth it. I think... You know, this offense is going to need some retooling. I think they have the resources to do it and bring in the guys. That defense, I think, can still be very good. I think we'll see it to be good next season with those opt-outs returning. Obviously, you have to look at if Stefan Gilmore can come back. You don't know the situation would be with him. But I think of a Bill Belichick team with Matthew Stafford, a defense that's pretty much intact, I think that's all you need to really get back in the playoffs. I don't think that they're going to be on the level of the 49ers when they're making a run into the Super Bowl potentially with Stafford, but I think they could compete in that division, certainly, and be a wild card. My last point on the Niners, and it's kind of just reiterating something I said earlier. I think they, if there's an upgrade out there, and I do think Stafford would be an upgrade, they're willing to make that move. But I don't think they're going to be a team, say, 
like maybe the Detroit Lions that are saying we're going to take a quarterback or we're looking, we're actively looking for a quarterback to fill this massive void. So I think Stafford's an upgrade. I agree. So if you have an opportunity to draft or not draft, trade for Stafford, I think you, I think they will do it. But I don't think they're going to be, you know, look, actively looking at every single possibility in terms of a, a replacement for Jimmy Garoppolo because you said they can't win a Super Bowl. Look, they were what seven, six minutes away and had a double-digit lead. I, 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 I just I think when the moments matter the most, and especially he's been. It's also the injury bug. Like he's been really, you know, I think he's been hampered by that. I don't have a lot of confidence in to stay healthy, you know, for an entire season. I think he's a solid, good quarterback. I just think for the amount of pieces around them, which I think is really coming to be forgot about because of the season they had, because how injured they were, I think um, an upgrade at quarterback and then getting healthy, I think this team is in contention to come out of the NFC. I agree. And I I think they'll be competitive with Jimmy G. I I do think they'll be a better team with Stafford, though. I just don't think they're going to be actively looking for a replacement like, say, the Lions are. Fair. So, Shai, now it's obviously we kind of touched on the Deshaun Watson trade rumors a while back before some of it really started to gain steam. So let's kind of go back to those rumors. First of all, do you think Deshaun Watson is going to be a Houston Texan come opening night of two thousand of the 2021 regular season. You know, I don't, Alex. I think in this situation, it seems like Deshaun has most of the leverage. And I get, you know, if they... I, I, he's, I, under, he's, he's under contract for five years. I mean, he's really going to want to sit out an entire season? I, I think... I think if I'm the Houston Texans, if a guy... It doesn't matter who... It is even if it's Deshaun Watson, if he doesn't want to be there and he's so adamant about that, and the relationship is that fractured as it appears to be, you can bring a horse to water, Alex. You can't force him to drink. It, it, it's at that point where I think you go and then think about it, the rest of this team. Like they're not gonna win games either. Like next year, they're not gonna be good at at all. You know, and they and they need draft capital to start that rebuild. Deshaun Watson is the only piece that's really you know there, you know, solidified, and that's a big piece the franchise quarterback. But I think you know, with some of these picks that they can that they can get for Watson, they could really start to have a rebuild, maybe like a team like the Detroit Lions. And I think that may have to happen sooner rather than later. It's just a, it's just a question of is Deshaun Watson going to be a part of that, or is he not? And I think if 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 it may accelerate the process, not having him, and he doesn't want to be there, yeah, I think it makes sense potentially for the Houston Texans to trade him at this point. I don't know. If you're Houston, you're looking for three first-rounders, I think, and poss- possibly then some. They dug this hole. I mean, Bill O'Brien helped dig the hole, but they dug this hole for themselves in terms of no draft picks, their salary cap situation isn't much better, if at all. It's tough. It's more of, I'll believe it when I see it type of thing. Well, He's angry, I know. And I'm not ruling out a trade entirely. But when it's so hard to find that franchise quarterback. 
And it's so hard to find someone of Deshaun Watson's caliber. And child, Shai, I'll ask you this. In my mind, if the entire NFL was a redraft right now, if every player was available for a redraft, I think Deshaun Watson goes number two overall. I think that's very possible and maybe likely. I think that he's right there. You know, Mahomes more. goes one. Mahomes yeah. will go one. Sure. Who who do you think would go over Watson for number two? I don't. When you factor I, in the age, she's what twenty five. I think it will be. I think it is Watson, and I really, you know, if I was a Houston Texans fan, I wouldn't want him gone. Obviously, but you ask me, do I think he's going to be a Texan next year? And I just don't see it happening. Um, you know, but that's just me. I und- and I understand that possibly Houston may have to eat part of his contract to actually move him. So I think that could factor in into that decision as well. I'm not sure about the exact numbers, Alex, but. I think I think I'm leaning towards the fact that he probably will get traded before the uh, off season is over. Then he won't. But I do think I completely understand if the Houston Texans want to go in that direction. Again, I wouldn't be surprised if he's traded, but it's one of those things where I'll believe when I see it. We've never seen a player at the quarterback position of Watson's caliber be traded like this at this point in his career. You know, Montana became a chief. Uh, Unitas was a charger. We've seen quarterbacks switch teams, but not when they're really just entering their prime years of their career. With Watson or not, though, this Texans team has a long way to go as they don't have much talent, and obviously they don't have many assets and resources to build up to build a team around Watson on both sides of the ball, really. So Texans, they're, it's going to be a long road back for that franchise and that organization. And they probably have the bleakest future, maybe in the entire NFL, despite having that franchise quarterback. I think if we're looking at possibilities, I think we got to mention the Dolphins, who have the Texans' picks. <laughs> so... Yeah, I mean, I think Texans are a possibility. I think the Jets, obviously, are a possibility. And then I think you were saying the Niners. I think this is something that the Niners could really pounce on because Watson and Shanahan's scheme, I think, could would be extremely dangerous and I think might make San Francisco possibly the front runner in the NFC if they were to pull off a trade of this magnitude. Yeah, I think it's wherever Deshaun wants to go and wherever... He does have a no trade clause. He does have a no trade clause, but I think I think at this point he'd be more than happy to uh, to waive that, um, Alex. I think you know the, apparently his top two teams in this order are Jets, Dolphins, and I. Well, think- that I'll say that report has been rebuttaled. We, I, I did see the report you're talking about, but I've seen other reports contradicting that. But it's it looks like those two teams. I'd imagine. The Niners would be pretty high on his list as well. I mean, the Saints would be fine, but they the Saints are basically the yeah. the Saints. They have some picks, but they have no caps. They I mean, can't take on this contract. Exactly. Yeah, they, yeah, exactly. They won't be able to take on this contract at all. So that kind of puts the Saints in a tough spot, not just with Watson, but with any quarterback trying to replace Breeze. That's why I think their quarterback situation will probably end up with Taysom Hill or James Winston stirring for them. I guess final thought before we get into the Super Bowl, Shy. Jared, the reports that, you know, obviously you probably saw Les Needs' con- comments 
about Jared Goff saying Jared, Jared Goff is our quarterback right now. Now, obviously, the right now is what caught everyone's attention. I just don't – how are they going to move that contract? You know, it, he still has that entire contract, the extension part to play out because these last two years, even though he was under – even though he had already signed the extension – it was still his original rookie deal. So I believe he still has a lot of dead money if the Rams were to move on from Goff. So I just don't see how they can move on from Goff and, uh, you know, taking on all that, taking on that money because they're not in a pretty cap situation either where they can afford to make those type of moves. Yeah. I think, I think if you're the Rams, you're like, okay, you know, if someone's willing to take on Jared Goff's contract, sure, by all means. Like, you know, I think but I think like even in a trade, they would still have to pay up the dead cap. No, and I that's, th- that's hard to do within itself. I totally agree, and I think that's something. I wouldn't be shocked if the Rams are okay with doing that. You know, I'd be a little surprised, but not shocked. I don't think Jared Goff. I don't. I don't have a lot of confidence in him as their future, frankly. And I think you know some people may, some people may not. Um, but I think. At that position, you need to have a guy that you're sure is going to, you know, have you compete for Super Bowls if you're if you're in that stage. And I think the Rams are. So I think I understand where they're coming from. But realistically, you kind of made the bed. Now you have to lay in it, you know. So it's like, you know, they, they're, they're just kind of tied down to this contract. And it kind of seems like they're going to have to to see it through for better or worse. Well, I guess the one thing both of us are 100% sure of is that this quarterback carousel for this offseason will be very interesting to watch and follow and should have a lot of moving parts, a lot of rumors, and should be just a lot of, yeah, a lot of fun. And we'll, we'll see what happens. Obviously, we'll be keeping track. And if there is a big move, we'll, uh, we'll make a podcast about it, just like, just like we have for the last couple of years. So, Shy, let's now get to the big one, the big game. And we all know what everyone wanted to see. Le'Veon Bell against Antonio Brown. Of course. That's exactly what I was dreaming of uh, when I watched it. Well, I feel like for you as a Steelers fan, it was more of a nightmare. Like, this is more of a nightmare for you than just a a regular dream. But in all seriousness, the Chiefs, led by Patrick Mahomes, the Buccaneers, led by Tom Brady, basically, you know, can if Mahomes is ever going to pass Brady for you know the greatest of all time title, he's going to have to start now. He's going to have to beat Brady in this game, and uh, you know we'll, we'll see we'll see if he can do it. We'll we'll make our game picks at the end. For me though, if I'm a Chiefs fan, I am terrified of two guys: Shaquille Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul. They're playing their best football. Pierre-Paul. Pro Bowler has been playing great all year, but it feels like he's playing even better now. And I feel like, especially coming off the Packers game, Shaquille Barrett's playing more like the guy that led the NFL in sacks last year. Not to mention, your two starting tackles are out in both Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher. They're both out. They're not playing at all. So now you have two backup tackles. And we just saw, with no David Bakhtiari for the Packers, the Bucks ate the Packers' offensive line for breakfast so that just that really concerns me if i'm a chiefs fan that you know i i know we always say you know mahomes is great against the blitz and he's great even with pressure 
But the Bucks are going to be, I believe, able to get pressure with just four. And the Bucks have been able to do that all year. And now you're facing an offensive line that has really been hampered by injuries. That really concerns me. And I think, you know, that if the if the Bucks want to win this game, they're going to have to just create absolute havoc on Mahomes each and every play. You don't have to bring him down every time, but you have to hit him time and time again. Because I don't – look, he played great. There was no – whatever that turf toe was, I, it didn't seem to bother him at all. I will say I don't think it's going to be completely gone. I still think he was battling it. Yeah, it may not have affected him with adrenaline or anything, and that might be the case on Super Bowl Sunday as well. But I would be surprised if, at least coming into the day when he woke up, it was 100% pain-free. Because usually a turf toe takes about three to four weeks, maybe even more, to fully heal. And knowing that he played on it just a week after he initially injured it. So knowing you, you are dealing with a, you know, a toe injury and you're facing two great pass rushers, some of the best pass rushers this past season and both your starting tackles are injured. I mean, that's a, re- that's a recipe for disaster for the Chiefs up front and Mahomes' ability to get the ball out because we all, we all know, although he has the ability to get the ball out quickly, that's usually not their forte. Yeah, I think that the short passing game is not is not quite their their thing. But I, I, I think this is gonna come down to Mahomes and his mobility. And you mentioned JPP and Shaq Barrett. They they have to get to Mahomes, but not only do they have to get to Mahomes, they have to set the edge and they have to keep him in the pocket. The way that that, that the Mahomes will extend plays and win this game ultimately is going to be if he can get outside that pocket and if he can create downfield and improvise. And we saw that a bit against Buffalo, and that's when it really hurt them. So, and obviously I think the Bucks have a better uh, pass rush than the Buffalo Bills. And I think, you know, especially with, you know, Mitchell Swords and Eric Fisher out, they should have more of an easier time doing that, collapsing that pocket, you know, and getting to Mahomes. But he's Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he he's a superstar, the best player in this league for a reason. And the mobility is often overlooked. Um, he's not Lamar Jackson, but when he gets outside the pocket, when he was scrambling around, improvising, and then just the flick of a wrist 50 yards downfield while he's being hit, taken to the ground, I mean, that's hard, to, almost indefensible. So it, it's at this, that's going to be an equal part as you said, with that pass rush. I find it funny that for years, over 20 years, really 20 years now, you know, it was, you know, if you're going to beat Tom Brady and the Patriots, you have to get to Brady. You have to pressure him with four. That's how, that's how, you know, that's how the Giants beat him twice in the Super Bowl. That's why teams like, you know, Baltimore and maybe that last year with Peyton Manning for the Broncos, that's why they were able to beat Brady. They got pressure before, they create havoc in the pocket. And obviously, Mahomes is more than just a pocket passer like Brady. But it's almost funny that now Brady's team, the key for Brady's team, is to take advantage of the matchups on the offensive line versus defensive line and just create all sorts of havoc and pressure on Mahomes. So, you know, the sides have completely flipped here, and I just kind of find that funny. On the same side of the ball, what concern 
you know, if we want to kind of flip the script here, what really concerns me is Tyreek Hill had 200 receiving yards in one quarter when these two teams faced each other. Is there a plan? Is there a game plan? Like, with with the personnel that Tampa has, cornerbacks who are very aggressive, struggle on double moves, struggle to keep the big play in front of them at times. I don't see it. For me, it's tough to see them executing a proper game plan to at least limit Tyreek Hill. I'm not even taking. I'm not talking about taking him out of the game. I thought the Niners in last year's Super Bowl actually did a pretty good job before the third and fifteen big play that ultimately kind of propelled things to a Chiefs win last year. If you are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, obviously they're going to watch their the film from the regular season. They're going to make adjustments. But with that type of with we're the same personnel, the same guys on the field. How do you make the necessary adjustments to stop a guy with Tyreek Hill, knowing that, that I mean, they looks like tried everything, and Tyreek Hill, sometimes it looked like he was jogging, and he was 10 yards wide open downfield against that defense. Yeah, Alex, the reason that he was so incredibly open, you know, and during that game, they were playing single-man coverage on him, Alex, for the better part of three quarters. And in that fourth quarter, Todd Bowles woke up and decided to play zone, and they got back in the game. And that I'll gives me a little I'll also say, even though it's a three-point game, it wasn't a one-score game till very late. So right. after, like, the first quarter to a half, the Chiefs started running the ball a lot more because the game, despite what the score says, was starting to get a bit out of hand, and the Chiefs wanted to chew up some clock. They're not going to do that in the Super Bowl. They are going to... Show no mercy and continue pounding to make sure Tampa has no shot in getting back in the game if they get off to the same caliber of the start. I think that's right, but I think I think they did take some shots down the field in that game in the fourth quarter, and, and Tyreek Hill was contained of it for the most part in that zone coverage and that too high. And I think we're going to see them utilize that because I can't play. They're I don't know what Todd Bowles would be doing or thinking if he plays man. That's not viable with the corners they have. We agree on that. I think I don't think it's I don't I don't care who their corners are. I don't think it's viable against the Kansas City Chiefs. I think that's true. Exactly. Yeah, if you have if you have Stefan Gilmore and Jalen Ramsey, I st- although it's close, I still don't know if it's completely doable to play just simple one on one across the board for four quarters against this offense. Yeah, I think that's right. I think they're going to have to play zone, and they're going to have to get pressure. And if they don't get pressure, Patrick Mahomes is going to pick apart that zone. You know, he, he can do that. But I think it's about can they, you know, try to make them dink and dunk their way down the field while getting some pressure and, you know, hope for a mistake, kind of limit them in that way. But And then again, the other challenge that is, you can't just sit back in coverage because they're going to run the ball down your throat because we've seen them do that. We've seen the Chiefs run the ball effectively. So there are tasks with a really difficult challenge here. Um, and although they have that matchup that they can take advantage of on those edges, I, I do think they're, they're going to be in for a game containing Patrick Mahomes in this passing offense. But... Before before I let you go, before I let you go on your point, Alex, they did a pretty good job in coverage against Devontae Adams, against Aaron Rodgers and company. And I know they're not the Kansas City Chiefs, but they're pretty darn good, Alex.
Alex. No, the Packers definitely have a very good offense, and the Packers, I think, offense also struggled a bit. Some of it was great defense by Tampa, and also a lot of it was the pressure up front. So if they can get that type of pressure and bring Mahomes to the ground, that's obviously a recipe for success. I want to get back to your point that said, oh, you know, play a zone. Travis Kelsey, how many times do we see him wide open in like a, in a you know in a soft spot in that zone coverage? These Chiefs receivers and tight ends are very smart. They know when they know where those soft spots are. They know where those open spots are. They know that you know even if me Mahomes is not looking their way, stay in that spot. Mahomes will find you. So I think also playing his own. And yes, you're saying make them dink and dunk, make them have long drives, make them, you know, have these 10 to 12 play drives, force them to sustain drives. We've seen Mahomes do that. We've seen the Chiefs be able to do that. We see that's what makes this offense so great is because they can sustain drives and have these long time consuming drives, or they can hit you with a 75 yard touchdown like that. That's why this Chiefs offense is so great. So now I'll ask you, Shy. He didn't play against the Packers. I expect Antoine Winfield Jr. to play uh, for you know in this game. How do you use him? How do you use him? Do you use him all over? Are you pairing him with someone else on Kelsey? Are you pairing him with one of your corners on Hill? How are you using Antoine Winfield? Because he's a guy who, in my mind, he should be maybe not win it, but in contention for defensive rookie of the year and has been a second-round steal for that Bucks offense. And Todd Bowles has done an incredible job all year of mixing and matching with Winfield. So how do you use him against an offense that has so many weapons and can beat you in so many different ways? Yeah, you use him as a Swiss Army knife of sorts, Alex. I think um, I was going to get back to the point of, you know, playing zone, but maybe you don't play zone across the board. Maybe you play a a primary zone, but then you man up a, a, a Travis Kelsey with a matchup that you think maybe you can win and, you know, maybe you put a Devin White, see what that how that plays out. Or maybe an Antron Winfield. You see, can they limit him in kind of a, a, a do, single coverage? Do you double Kelsey with both those guys? Or yep. is that putting too many resources? Because that, that's what my thing is. Like, yes, White and Winfield is a lot of resources for one guy. But we're talking about Travis Kelsey, who's the best receiving tight end in the NFL. And a guy who, even when Hill is bottled up, Kelsey is finding the spot soft spot. I feel like he's always kind of the emergency blanket guy. You know, whenever Mahomes is in trouble, whenever he's you know getting sacked, he finds Kelsey, and somehow Kelsey's wide open. Like I don't know, I don't know how. Like almost every completion to Kelsey, I feel like he's wide open. So I don't know if that's a very soft zone. I don't know if that's defenders losing him. But you have to play much tighter coverage on Kelsey, and you can't right. lose him, especially when Mahomes is doing his, you know, scramble drill. So I think I would. It's a lot, and White and Winfield are probably your two of. They're your two best uh, non D linemen uh, defenders. I think you can make the case that Bear and Pierre Paul are better. I'm not saying they are, but you can make that argument because they're not cornerbacks and they're not. In, you know, they're not world beaters in coverage. I think you almost pair them and say, okay, you got Kelsey. That way we can use uh, basically all of our other corners and safeties and maybe Levante David, uh, you know, to try to guard the receivers and just try 
basically take your take Winfield and White, who together I think will be a pretty good coverage duo, and just match them on Kelsey. That's what I would. That's what I've been kind of thinking about during the week. Do you do that, or do you try to mix and match, knowing that the Chiefs will eventually be able to adjust, or and or maybe you're setting yourself up to fail. Uh, by not putting any of those guys to help out with Hill or Watkins or even a Demarcus Robinson, and I think you you do all of it. You do both. You uh, you know you got to show different looks. You can bracket Kelsey and Man. You can play a straight up zone occasionally. I would, you know, I think I think the reason that you see Kelsey is so wide open sometimes in that zone when Mahomes is rolling out to his right or whenever is because that zone kind of shifts over to Mahomes, because it's really, you know, most quarterbacks don't throw across their body, but Mahomes is such a big arm, and he's so smart, and he sees those soft spots, that that zone shifts over, and then Kelsey's finds that gap in a, mi- a mixed, uh, uh, in that zone, um, kind of, kind of in the, like, the, cent- that kind of central right region, or whatever, left region, depending where Mahomes is, and that's usually why he's so open, but that's because the play has taken eight seconds, seven seconds already, right? So it's really hard for them to sustain that zone coverage for a long time. Um, but I think, yeah, back to your point, I think you can bracket them, bra- uh, bracket Winfield and uh, Devin, Devin White on to Kelsey. I think also sometimes you got to put Winfield as just a single high, or if you're, if you're going to do that, if you're going to blitz, I think it's important to have him, you know, uh, as kind of that guy to, to to make sure nothing gets past him. And I also think you bring him in as a blitzer. I think, you know, the Bucks. Well, I think very... that's dangerous because I think Mahomes will kill you. I I think that's true. I don't say... I think... I think if they can't get pressure with four and they have to blitz Levante David or Devin White or Antoine, I think Mahomes will kill him. I, I don't say they do it a lot, but I think a part of their kind of... What I'm saying, if that becomes a necessity instead of just a luxury, I think I think Mahomes will pick them apart and eat them for breakfast. And you're putting a lot of pressure on Tom Brady in that offense if if you have to blitz. And now you're saying, okay, Mahomes. Now you know instead of having seven defenders going against, you're facing six, and especially when the Chiefs can go five wide. Right, and I think we look at that Packers game, and one of the things that the Bucks did so well is they rushed for primarily. But every once in a while, you know, on maybe not even ex- not exactly a third down, maybe a second down or or something like that, they would blitz. You know, and Anton Winfield wasn't there for that game, but they would blitz maybe a Sean Murphy bunting or a guy like that. You know, from that uh, kind of from the box from the corner position, and it would give Aaron Rodgers problems. And it would they would just come on a delayed blitz, and it would really kind of mess things up. And yes, Mahomes has more mobility, but I think when mixing that in, showing some of those different looks. Again, not as a necessity. I completely agree with you there. But just kind of using Antoine Winfield as that Swiss Army knife, kind of, yes, sometimes he's that security as a, as a safety, you know, traditionally. Sometimes he's matched up with a man, you know, on Kelsey, and sometimes he's coming off with pressure. I think you probably do the first two things more than the last, but I think it's important to really mix it around and show Mahomes those different looks. Yeah, I also go back to your point. You're talking about uh, Sean Murphy bunting. He's playing some of his best football. I think obviously he's only been this is only his second year in the league, but I think it's pretty safe to say this. He might he might be playing the best football of his entire yet short but entire career. So 
I think that obviously helps Tampa when, you know, I have confidence he can go against a guy like Sammy Watkins. You know, if Watkins does play in this game, I know he didn't last week. He's obviously batting through some injuries. But I have confidence that Murphy Bunting can go against Watkins if he continues the level of play he's displayed the last few weeks. Remember, we always talk about the, the Scotty Miller touchdown with one set with like one second left in the half that, you know, kinda was like, you know, well, what what are the Packers doing? How do you let Miller what we forget is Green Bay had the ball and Rodgers threw a pick at midfield, which ultimately set up the touchdown, or at least the attempt, which which, you know, they can Verted, obviously. So, you know, if Murphy Bunting doesn't get that interception, A, Packers might drive, and maybe they won't get a touchdown, but they could get points there. And B, Tampa's definitely not getting points if Murphy Bunting doesn't get the interception. So, Murphy Bunting playing some of the best football of his career. And uh, I right now, I would, call, I, would ha- I would have confidence. I would be, I think... You know, cautious, you know, cautiously optimistic. He can go up against a guy like Watkins with limited help because you're going to need that when you're also covering Kelsey and Hill and Hardman and all of those other incredible weapons of the Kansas City Chiefs. So that's one side of the ball. Shy, uh, there's a rematch in the Super Bowl. There's a rematch, and it's Steve Sanola, the Chiefs defensive coordinator, against Tom Brady. And I don't know if you remember, and I don't know who else, you know, diehard, I'd say the diehard Giants fans remember, not even diehard, Giants fans definitely remember, and I bet Brady does as well. Steve Spagnuolo was the Giants defensive coordinator the in during Super Bowl 42, the year that the wildcard New York Giants upset the, at the time, undefeated New England Patriots. So Spagnuolo knows how to take down Tom Brady. Now, obviously, he doesn't have that, inc- you know, he has guys like Chris Jones and Frank Clark, but he doesn't have Justin Tuck. He doesn't have, you know, that great, you know, Michael Strahan. He doesn't have that great Giants defensive line he did back in 07 and 08. How, if you're Spagnuolo, what's your game plan in covering the Bucks' weapons? Because, you know, we talk all day, Kelsey, Hill, Hardman, Watkins, but Tampa has Evans and Godwin, and Antonio Brown didn't even play last week, and I expect him to play this upcoming week against uh, the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Tampa has their own weapons. Now, Brady has to play better. He can't throw three conse- three consecutive drives with an interception. He's lucky that Green Bay only got seven points off of him. That was a big reason why Green Bay lost their game. I expect Tom Brady to play better. But if you're the Chiefs, you have some, you know, nice pieces on your defense. But I don't even, I don't know if they have the personnel to keep up with all these weapons of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And simply, they don't have the personnel, Alex. Um, I think even the defensive line, we talk about getting pressure with those four guys. And yeah, they have Chris Jones, Flank Clark. But, you know, other than that, there's not a ton to see. And then you look at a Bucks offensive line that's been pretty darn good in pass protection. Um, I think, but but then there was something that you can take. You know, the Packers did you know did blitz Tom a little bit. They did come with the with those occasional blitzes, and usually we see Tom Brady rip apart a secondary in that situation. But this time it looked like he kind of panicked in the kind of Bruce Arian scheme. Chucked the ball down to Mike Evans. Couple of inaccurate, you know. That was throws. more. 
I know the play time. I thought that was more of a throwing punt in a way. He was just trying to say, hey, it looks like we might have to punt anyway. There's pressure on my face. I'm, it's almost a throwing. It's almost acts as a punt. I don't think that was Bruce Arian's scheme that forced him to do that. No, I don't think it was. I think he was just. I think it was just a matter of fa- a matter of like him almost panicking, kind of, which is something you don't see Tom Brady do. And I think in that situation, you take a sack. I mean, you you've got to. I understand what you're saying, but as I said, I think it was almost like a throwing punt. You set up Green Bay deep in their own territory. If you do, if you take a sack and have to do a real punt, there's a good chance, what, to touchback? So, and I mean, look, it obviously ended up not mattering because Green Bay, I don't think they, they didn't even get a first down, which, as I said, you know, blame LeFleur all you want for not going for the field goal. Three straight interceptions, and on two of the interceptions, you don't even get a first down off of it. That's a big reason why Green Bay lost the game. That That's on Aaron Rodgers. That's on that offense. That, I feel like, should be one of, if not the biggest reason why Green Bay is not playing. Right. And back to that, I just think, I felt like Tom Brady wasn't playing smart football, as he usually does. It just seems like he was kind of going a little, you know, a little, not want to say overconfident, but he seemed like he was just kind of throwing the ball around and, it seemed like he wasn't as methodical and as precise with his reads and his throws as he usually is. And he needs to do that. I don't care what defense it is. This is a Super Bowl. You And against Mahomes, you cannot make mistakes. You've got to be, you know, consistent in your craft. So I think that's something that worried me a little bit. I agree with you. And I don't think, on in terms of their weapons, I I would say that Green Bay also did a pretty good job in man against, you know, for the most part, I think against Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, all things considered. And yes, they didn't have Antonio Brown that game. But other than you take you take away, you know, Kevin King and his really poor performance, I think, you know, that this passing game, I mean, they, I mean their pass defense could have been much worse. And I think it, it wasn't that bad to begin with. So I think you got to mix in just the different looks and hope that you can get pressure with four of the occasional blitz. Because, and I think it's mostly zone, but I think it's just about kind of going with the formula and saying, we may not have the personnel, but we're going to sure make it difficult. Yeah, and I also say this. You're saying, you know, Mahomes can't make, or Brady can't make these mistakes because, you know, he's going up against Mahomes, a different animal, a different breed. The Chiefs can't do the we're gonna go down by twenty and come back. You know, I get you know, they were down by they were down seventeen to nothing against the Patriots uh, a few years ago. They did come back, they forced an overtime, they lost. That was obviously in the AFC championship game. That was the famous offsides. Um and you know, that obviously cost the Chiefs a chance to go to the Super Bowl. But the Chiefs can't, you know, kind of dilly-dally, go down by two or three scores and, and just rely on their heavy power offense because we're used to Brady doing that. We're used to Brady being down 10 in the fourth quarter and coming back. Now, obviously, we've seen Mahomes do that plenty of times. So that's also what I think this matchup is going to be really fun because at no point I, I think the game's going to be over. We've seen both these quarterbacks' ability to come down from such big leads in the biggest and brightest moments 
that they have proved that the game is never out of reach for their for their respective team. So this game's gonna be really fun. I expect a really good competitive game. Obviously, you know, both offenses so potent, so kind of have evolved and are up to date with this current idea in the NFL of you got, you know, scoring early, scoring often, and, you know, putting your defenses in better spots. But uh, it'll it'll be a pretty, I think it'll be a pretty high-scoring Super Bowl. But at the same time, even in the most high-scoring Super Bowl, Patriots-Eagles, the biggest play was a sack fumble by Brandon Graham on defense. So it's going to come down to, in my mind, the defense. Which defense gets that stop? Which defense gets that big turnover late? Both teams could score well over 40. And I'll still think whoever can get that stop, whoever can get that big turnover, that's the team that's going to win the game. So I think it's going to come down to which defense, which defense steps up and does, and does a, at least a good enough job of limiting the opposing offense and forcing them to make, even if it's just one, which defense forces an forces an error by the opposing offense. I, I could be wrong. I don't think Brady is throwing three picks on three consecutive drives uh, for the Super Bowl. I, I was surprised when he did it against Green Bay. I don't think he's doing it in the Super Bowl against the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I don't know uh, if you're ready, Alex. You ready for game picks? Have you have you got the? Uh, you know, I think we've, I think I've got my keys out of the way. I'm excited to hear what you got to say for uh, for for your picks. Do you have anything else you want to add before we get to that? No. So I guess drum roll. I'm gonna go with the Chiefs. But as someone who is picking the Chiefs, it scares me about that Bucks pass rush against the Chiefs' offensive line. I could easily see Pierre Paul and Barrett having the games of their lives and really being the deciding factor, which normally we don't say that about teams led by Tom Brady. But I'm picking the Chiefs mainly because I don't, I don't have confidence in that Bucks secondary. I don't have confidence that the Bucks secondary can limit Tyreek Hill. You know, maybe they can do, you know, do some stuff to limit Kelsey if they do pair White and Winfield. But I just think whether we've seen the Chiefs can sustain drives. You know, Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, the Chiefs will be ready. The Chiefs will be ready. Both these teams also are just so well coached. I just want to leave it at, at that. Both teams are so well coached. But the secondary at Tampa, I just think, at the end of the day, Mahomes will be able to pick them apart even before the pass rush gets home. Now, if the pass rush can get home before then, then I think then I think Tampa can definitely pull this one out. And I think they can pull it out either way. It's, but, look, I'm going with the Chiefs. But as I said last week, it's scary to bet against a Tom Brady-led team. I, I'm not confident in my pick either. But I think all things considered, going through... All the analysis that we went through, given it a significant amount of thought, I'm not going to bet against Brady. I think he gets seven. I think the, the Tampa Bay Bucks are Super Bowl champions. And I think it's close. I think it's high scoring, and I think it's close. And it's interesting. I just have, I have, you know, I don't have a great deal of confidence in the, in the Bucks defense. I have confidence in their pass rush. 
And I think the secondary, there's an answer there. There's a formula there, I think, that can be that can be solved and can be, you know, figured out by Todd Bowles. I just don't have any confidence, really, in the, in this Chiefs defense. I, I don't think they have the personnel simply to, 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 to get pressure or to, to cover the host of weapons that Tampa has in the secondary. So, it, kind of in that vein, I kind of feel the way these teams match up that I'm kind of forced to go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Just, and I, I don't want to bet against Mahomes, but it feels just as you know bad to bet against Brady. And I think given that matchups and everything we've talked about, I'm just more confident the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense and that matchup, just Tom Brady kind of eating alive this Chiefs defense. I know it's scary. You either have to bet against Mahomes, or you have to get, or you have to bet against Brady. And usually, neither neither is a very smart idea. I guess I'll say this, uh, Shy. I just before we close out the podcast, NFL honors are obviously the day night before the Super Bowl. Who who is your pick for MVP? I think we'll probably agree on this, but I guess to cap off the show, who's your, who's your pick for MVP of this? of this past NFL season. I mean, it's got to be Aaron Rodgers. I mean, for a way the playoffs, this season was remarkable. I don't think necessarily he's the reason that they lost this game by by any means. I mean, I think you can put some... I I think we could have a whole other podcast about us just debating that. I think that's accurate. I think that's accurate. But uh, no, he, he deserves it. He's the front runner. He should be. I don't think there's anybody really remotely close in that area and has the same resume this season that Aaron Rodgers has put up. Yeah, no, I'm going to – it's Rodgers. I know it's, you know, what does he have around him? Oh, he has Devontae Adams. But this – what he did with the Packers, you know, he was fine last year. I wasn't very confident in the Packers heading into this season. I thought they were a good team, but, I mean, they were a great team led by Aaron Rodgers. Great season. I also say this, Shy. I think as a Steelers fan, you might be happy with the player who wins defensive player of the year. I do. I think T.J. Watt takes it home this year. I know you were a little disappointed when he missed out on it last year, but I think T.J. Watt does bring home the defensive player of the year award this year. I'm, you know, I'm 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 hoping that he does as a Steelers fan, but I think he was more deserving of it, ironically, last year, and I think you know. Maybe he should have won it last year. I think it, you know, depends on who you ask, really. But I, I am, I thought his resume was more appealing. His impact for the Pittsburgh Steelers defense was better last year and greater last year than it was this year. Again, I think really any of the guys in that conversation, all great players, really kind of a a toss up to me who wins it. I'm not gonna be upset either way. Maybe a like slightly disappointed because, uh, you know, of course I want my guy, but. Um, yeah, it should be it should be very interesting to watch those on. Yeah, Justin Herbert versus Justin Jefferson will be a fun, uh, you know, race to watch on that award. Obviously, you know, does Derrick Henry get Offensive Player of the Year? Anyway, it should be it should be a night a fun night before the Super Bowl. So that's gonna do it for this edition. I guess the final edition, and we'll have you know post Super Bowl recap. But I guess the final time we're recording before. The end of the 2020-2021 season. What a season it has been. Credit to Roger Goodell. Credit to the entire NFL for pulling off every single game with no postponements. Or I guess maybe some postponements, but no cancellations, I should say. 
that's going to do it for this edition of NFL Game Time Podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Alex Rubinson. And I'm Shai Dweck. We'll see you next time on NFL Game Time Podcast.